0: If you can't make those times, you'll want to register anyway so you can get access to the session recordings. And now, on to the episode. Hey, fellow mathematicians! You're listening to the podcast where math is figure outable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And you found a place where math is not about memorizing and mimicking, waiting to be told or shown what to do but it's about making sense of problems, noticing patterns, and reasoning using mathematical relationships. We can mentor mathematicians as we co-create meaning together. Not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching mathematics, but rotely repeating steps actually
1: keep students from being the mathematicians they can be. So in this episode, we want to talk about something that many of you love or hate or love to hate. And that is decimals. (laughs) Decimals.
0: So we've done an episode before on fractions. Decimals and percents. Yeah. And, and and, and let's, let's dive into decimals. Like what, what about decimals? And specifically, we have gotten some questions and concerns, comments from listeners about three things. And we thought, Ooh, these three things have to do with each other. Let's, let's lump them in. Let's get at them in uh, one episode. We can sort of pay attention. Um, and so we'd ask you to consider today when we talk about these three things with decimals, kind of pause and consider the role that these three things play in your teaching of decimals. How do you yeah. handle them? What kind of, um, what kind of role do they play? So let's kick this off. Uh,
1: Go yeah, Kim. okay. So we got a message from Kathy, who's one of our journey members, um, Yay, your membership Kathy. side of implementation yep. support, and um, she love congratulated- our journey members. Yeah, we do. She congratulated us on our hundredth episode where we talked about place value, and mm-hmm. one of the things that she mentioned, she sent a message and she said, "Hey, when using base ten blocks, we begin by asking today what's the value of the small cube." kind of like a legend on a map. And then once we knew that, we could identify the value of the rod, flat, and large cube for our work. And then when I taught sixth grade, the small cube could have represented a 1, one, ten, hundred, one-tenth, et cetera, and it depended on the day. She said, I tried not attaching the name 10 to the rod in hopes that the kids would know that it didn't always represent a 10. In general, I wanted the kids to learn that the models could represent different amounts, and it was important to find out what they were. I thought this would support flexible student thinking to build relationships between the base 10 blocks. And I think that's absolutely a fantastic suggestion because what yeah, she just said done. at the very end, right, was mm-hmm. build relationships between the base 10 blocks. And she she asked the question because in our place value episode, we kind of railed a little bit on don't call them <laughs> flat 10, uh, flat rod cube, unit, whatever we wanted to call them, or people are calling them. They're
0: give them and these think, random
1: names. Yeah. yeah. And I think we at that time said, if you're going to call them something, at least call them one ten hundred. But Kathy's mm-hmm. absolutely right to poke back a little bit and say, we need to consider the relationships between those models and what is the unit of the day? Like, what does one represent? So- um I think that's something that that is a consideration for all teachers. Hey, starting the day saying whether, whether you're first second, you're first introducing base materials. If this represents 1, then what might the value of this be? What might the value of this be if holding something else up? What if this represents 1? And, what and was just this, because we've got probably think? some
0: high school teachers on well, when you're saying this. So for example, um, if you, if you held up like the, the little uh, unit cube, the, the, mm-hmm. there's one little tiny cube, not broken into anything. You mm-hmm. could hold that up and you could say, if this represents one, then, then you could hold up the thing that has 10 of those in a line. Yes. You could say, what would this represent?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But. But conversely, you could say, what if this little tiny guy, this one unit cube, what if it represents 10? Mm-hmm. Then what would this sort of rod looking thing? <laughs> we wouldn't call it that, right? You would hold it up. You would, it like, would hold it up. What, yeah. is, what, what if 10 of them, 10 of them stuck in a row here in a line, what would that represent? If if one of these was 10, then what does this represent? And then, then you could also do 10 of those 10s. So now that uh, sometimes teachers will call that a flat, often we sort of said at least called a, a 100, but if the unit cube represented 10, then then 10 of them would represent 100. So now I've, I've got that sort of 10 line, that line of 10 cubes that, that sometimes people call a rod, that thing now represents 100. Well, yeah. if I've got 10 of those... That flat thing that's ten of those rods. What would that represent? Now I'm I'm using words to sort of help people kind of know what. But we don't want to call them that. We just want to hold them up. Then what would mm-hmm. this represent?
1: Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of reunitizing that happens, and that's really um, can be challenging, right? Oh, you just threw that word out. We might want Sorry. to define that. Sorry to <laughs> yeah, interrupt you. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> I was just going to say that the point is the relationship that those models have with each other. It's a it's really nice manipulative. And you can do some nice questioning around it, but the questions can change. And, and really, if you're wanting kids to be flexible thinkers, they should change. We, sh- we, we shouldn't really be saying this is a blank for a number of years. And then surprise, one day in fourth grade, we go, no, no, no. Now this is a blank. We, we really should give kids, give kids the experience to wrap their heads around if this, then this. OK, well, now if this, then then what?
0: Absolutely. And this idea of unitizing goes all the way back really young. The very first time we ask kids to think about <laughs> representing three, like as mm-hmm. soon as we say <laughs> three, and I hope you can hear my clapping, but that, that yeah. three claps represent or can be represented by one word, three or one symbol, the numeral three, we're asking them to unitize, taking a multiple of things and representing it with one thing. Yeah. And then what you're describing is that we've got these uh, materials that we might assume, oh, well, of course, that little one-unit cube. Of course, that's one, and you put ten of them together. Of course, that's ten. By the way, as soon as you get to ten, you're reunitizing in a different way because now you've got ten objects. <laughs> I think that was ten, uh, represented by two numerals, right? Yeah. Like it's not, not. No, we had numbers that were represented by one. Now they're represented by two. And so now, what we don't, what we're suggesting is that the, as Kathy Fosno would say, the mathematics is not embodied in the manipulative. It's not just apparent and obvious that we want to help students be flexible with those materials. Did I say that well? Yeah, yeah, you
1: did. And really, <laughs> we we said that this was going to be an episode about decimals, right? And so I, I think a oh, lot yeah. of times that <laughs> that that in the early grades. We don't see kids struggle quite as much with, you know, base 10 materials because we've only asked them to consider it one, 10, 100, maybe a 1, thousand, right? We've only said this is this is the thing that they are. It's when we hit decimals that all of a sudden we've reunitized, we've shifted what we ask kids to be considering. And it happens to be with decimals. And so we go, oh, they don't understand decimals. So, it's not that the, the model is bad. It's probably some of the telling that we do with relation to base 10 materials. And um, we can just shift that a bit. And I, and I think that's um, absolutely necessary.
0: So, let's shift from telling, here is what they are, to mm-hmm. asking if, if this cube, and so if you think of the large cube that has 1,000 of those little unit cubes in it, if this cube represents one. Mm -hmm. then what is this flat of 100 of those unit cubes? Mm -hmm. Or what is this rod of 10 of those unit
1: cubes? How how do those relate? And we might have to supply the name 10th, 100th, 1,000th, but they certainly can tell us how many of them are needed to create one whole.
0: We can certainly figure it out and in the figuring, in the deciding what those, then how many of them are, and we can supply the name as kids wrestle with those relationships. That's the power of the base 10 materials, right? Not just in handing it to them and saying, telling, oh, now today, this is what they are. No, no, no. It's like in the, in the questioning and the having the kids grapple with those relationships. Mm -hmm. All right. That's totally cool. cool. One other thing I'd like to bring up about base 10 materials. What we've just said is, again, if you you question well, they're good. If you just tell, it's not so good. But also, that's all about building relationships. We've said Mm -hmm. before in other podcast episodes that base 10 materials are not good for computing. They're not good tools for computation. We don't want to give kids base 10 materials and say, now go build the number, build the number, add them together, collect all the things, and then read off the answer. That's not helping students develop the this, this sense of size and magnitude and facility with strategy. It's literally like telling him, do this thing, do this thing now, gather them all together and then read off the answer. And it's again, I'll, I'll quote Kathy Fosno, whenever you read off the answer, that should be a clue that less thinking is happening and more just sort of doing. And then you're kind of like almost Whoa, surprised at the answer. So in that way, we're fine with using base 10 materials by questioning and helping students grapple to uh, build relationship. But we're not great with those as tools for computation. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is that the second thing we wanted to talk about in today's podcast is exploding dots. So James Tanton, great guy, mathematician, has some nice stuff out there has this thing where he talks about exploding dots and people will often ask me, Pam, what do you think about exploding dots? It's so good. Whatever. I would suggest that exploding dots is like dots is like dots are like the thing of dis- <laughs> how do How do you say that? The, the idea of using exploding dots helped uh, from what I've heard. So uh, when I heard James Tanton um, introduces uh, quite a while ago, actually, when I heard his story about kind of how exploding dots came to him, it was all about him understanding our base ten template system. But most of it was sort of, at least when I heard it, most of it was kind of geared around understanding the algorithms. He said, Oh, I get what's happening. I get that there it, it's sort of in this dot, it could explode into 10 of those things that are sort of in it. And in this dot, it could sort of explode into 10 of those things that are in it. And in a huge way he was understanding our, place value system that 100 has poof, 10 tens in it those sort of 10 dots would pop out of there that would represent tens and each of those tens poof, could explode into 10 ones and and that I, i'm fine with exploding dots for the same thing the same role that i'm fine with base 10 materials in that they can help students build relationships the relationships between the different values in our base 10 play system. I am not fine with exploding dots being so emphasized as a way to understand the algorithms. I mean, if that's your goal, okay. So I've I've sat in uh, sessions and I've talked to other leaders and they were so excited. They're like, oh my gosh, this is going to revolutionize all the things. And I said, to what end? And they're like, because now we finally understand the algorithms, which I chuckle just a little bit. Because I'm like, yeah, like it took like how long and how much and all the things before you understood him. But, but how is that helpful? Okay, if, if your goal is understanding the algorithms, you bet, you bet, not my goal, not our goal. Our goal is not getting more and more proficient at the algorithms or understanding them any better. Our goal is something completely different. So hear me clearly. I'm not saying James Tanton bad, exploding dots bad. Nope, nope. He's got, he had fantastic insight into our base 10 play system and and uh, how the algorithms work and if that interests you go for it. I don't find it all that particularly helpful in computation so mm-hmm. just parsing those out again both pa- Blake, uh, <laughs> both base 10 materials and exploding dots are fine to help students understand to help question them through have them grapple about the relationships. Not, I'm not interested in using them as tools for computation. So what can we
1: relate kids to?
0: Oh, yeah. What's the What, what can we do yeah. with decimals? So uh, a third thing that people will ask us about is, Pam, what do you think about using money to help kids understand decimals? And Kim,
1: what are, what's our answer to that? Well- Honestly, it's it's like the most relatable thing, right? But people will Bam. say to us, "But but kids don't know money," and to which we say, <laughs> "But they need to, right?" They, oh all the gosh. more
0: reason, yeah. Oh, all, all the, the more reason we so
1: must, yes. We have we to give kids experience with money for so many reasons, other than just math, understanding like life, <laughs> yeah. like life in general. They need some experience with money, but it is by far the most important uh, relationship that they can have to decimals is thinking about money. We, we love having kids think about tenths as dimes and, and hundreds as pennies. And, um, we can thousands, thousands can be parts of pennies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Parts of pennies, yeah.
0: not a problem at all. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: No, it's okay. I was just going to say that it gives an anchor to recording, uh, decimals and recognizing decimals in written form.
0: Absolutely. Sometimes people will push back on me, especially higher math. People will say, you know, like high school teachers, maybe even middle school teachers, you know, honestly, it's probably more middle school teachers than high school teachers will say, no, 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 it's too, it's too limited. Money is too limited. We have more place, uh, more places in our system than, than just tens and hundreds. And so, you know, it's too limited money. Money will, will limit kids in understanding decimals to which I say, But that doesn't mean that it's a bad starting place and it doesn't mean that it's not a great come back to place to help me think about the magnitudes. That as I get and dive and delve into decimals, money can be a very helpful way for me to go, wait, let me make sure this is reasonable. Like I'm thinking about I might be thinking about leaders or I might be thinking about parts of something uh, that, that doesn't have anything to do with money. And I might actually transfer into money in my head to go, oh yeah, okay, that's reasonable or whoa, that's, it shouldn't be, it should be dimes, not dollars, or it should be pennies, not dollars or, or pennies, not dimes. Like, oh, like, ah, and that sense of magnitude that we can build with money can be helpful in uh, having that sense of, of reasonableness. So money, yeah, yeah. Bam. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go I'm ahead. You just,
1: no, I was going to say, I'm glad you just said that because there's plenty of times where I'm working with decimals and it has nothing to do with money as the context, but I will mm-hmm. step out of it and think about the problem that I've solved, uh, just computation and go, would that be a reasonable amount of money? Yeah. Okay, cool. And I'm, and I know that, that I have made sense and thought through kind of the decimal placement. Well, Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, which,
0: which is really the magnitude, right? You might right. be looking at the numerals and saying to yourself, is it 154? Is it 1.54? Is it 1 5.4? <laughs> just 15.4. Yeah. I like, was so just trying to move the decimal around. Like what makes sense? Is it 0.154? What yeah. makes sense here and money might be a, a helpful anchor to making sense of those magnitudes. Absolutely.
1: So we tackled three separate, um, things that people have asked us about. And, and I want to just talk a little bit about where this leads. So we got this email from Willow Mm -hmm. and Willow said, I was hoping that you ladies could do a podcast on multiplying decimal numbers less than one and a way to model or help students figure out what's happening when you multiply 0.3 times 0.7 And she says, halves are easier to explain, but the concept does not always transfer because 0.3 is not one third. (laughs) Absolutely not. Sure enough. Good, good, good catch there. Good call. Point point three is not one third, not equivalent to one third. Amen. So um, stay tuned for next week when we uh, fold in what we talked about this week into decimal multiplication. So if you're excited for some decimal multiplication, stay
0: tuned because that is next on the podcast docket. Thank you for tuning in and teaching more and more real math. To find out more about the Math is Figureoutable movement, visit mathisfigureoutable.com. Let's keep spreading the word that math is outable.
1: Thank you for listening and making math more figure outable. Remember, we're going to be opening registration for the Math is Figure Outable Challenge soon. Mark your calendar from May 15th through 17th. You are not going to want to miss these free PD evenings where you'll learn four routines you need in your classroom that are naturally engaging and encourage students to think mathematically.
0: And remember, if you can't make those times, registering gets you access to the recordings. Keep making math figure outable.